This is Need to Know. Real talk about the reality of unidentified aerial phenomena. From Australia, Ross Coltart. From the US, Bryce Zabel. Well, hello and welcome to the latest edition of Need to Know. This edition coming right on the heels of the public congressional hearing into UAPs. This week, we've got Lou Elizondo on that hearing. What did he think of the debacle that calls itself a Congressional Oversight Committee? I'll bring in now my colleague in crime and co-host, Bryce Zabel from Los Angeles. G'day, Bryce. Uh, good day, Roscoe. And, it, you know, I, I enjoyed hearing them in real time, uh, my time, which was, uh, I guess they started at nine o'clock on the East Coast here in the U.S., which means I was up at six o'clock listening to them. And while I was, uh, you know, patting myself on the back for being able to get up and be lucid at that time, I had to think you must have been listening to him. What, at like one in the morning or what was your issue? Yeah, let's just say, mate, it's pretty bloody obvious I haven't had my beauty sleep last night. I've drunk a lot of coffee this morning. But Bryce, there's one thing I've got to say to you. Yeah. Happy birthday. Oh, Happy my God. Birthday, yeah. Mate. Well, I'll tell you something. Um, and, 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 and can I tell you, it's yeah. not much of a birthday present, this congressional hearing. It, it's essentially what we would call in Australia, and forgive the vulgarity, a turd tied up with a bow to make it look pretty. It was a disgusting performance by a bunch of fairly lackluster representatives who did not do their job as an oversight committee. Do you disagree? Okay, show's over, folks. That's pretty well laid. No, you know, I think there are ways that you can parse how you want to look at these hearings. Um, if Remember when the, uh, uh, the preliminary report on UAP came out in June of uh, 2021, and a lot of people wanted to call it a nothing burger because it didn't go far enough. And, and, you know, obviously there's some truth in that, but there are many other uh, reports to come. I think you could also look at this in the same way. It was clearly imperfect. It was clearly not satisfying. And it clearly had all kinds of issues that I would like to have seen addressed in a different way. But it was a start. Uh, it may not be the... Uh, the beginning of the end, as uh, I think Churchill said, but it might be the the end of the beginning uh, that we were we're going to get started on talking about this. But what I was most taken by was that they brought two people in who seemed selected specifically because they had plausible deniability about some of the things that they were going to be asked about. I completely agree. I mean, these guys were just not across their brief. For them to not know, for example, about the Malmstrom UFO incident, a sighting, a very important national security sighting that I do know has been raised with the UAP task force. It's utterly absurd and, quite frankly, implausible that two of the most senior officials in the U.S. Defense Department and intelligence community had no idea about the Malmstrom UFO incident. It, that, that involved, essentially, a UFO, an object of some kind, an anomalous phenomena, allegedly disengaging nuclear warhead missiles a very, very serious breach of U.S. national security. Why the hell don't Defense Department officials know about that? How can they possibly call themselves competent to make any kind of a comment about the UAP issue if they haven't received a briefing before they went up to a congressional oversight committee? Frankly, 
in Australia, those kind of officials would be sacked on the spot. They'd get their butts kicked and they'd be told they're incompetent. It was shocking and outrageous. And you're right. Heads should roll when something that bad happens because either, uh, I mean, the, you could say that that must have been their strategy. Well, then somebody who came up with the strategy should be fired because it was such a bad one uh, to, to, to roll out. And, and the thing is, it hung a sign, it hung a lantern on the very problem that the Department of Defense has faced in our uh, current run-up uh, to hearings and reports, which is there is a tendency in the dialogue that they wish to encourage to say that this really didn't happen until recent years. Uh, in 2004, there was the Nimitz case, and, and yes, we're watching to see if there's any more of these things, and we're very confused by them. But the truth of the matter is, you know, it's 2022 right now, and that means that the summer of the saucers back in 1947 was 75 years ago. And of course, the Defense Department knows a lot about it. So to send people out there that don't understand the history that and the and the details and the investigations and the reports and the comments and the cases of these last 75 years just struck me as a, a completely boneheaded response. And, and as you know, Bryce, you and I have spent the last 13 episodes of Need to Know going into that history and telling that story. But the one thing I think we flagged, and I'm, I'm secretly very smug about it, is that we flagged that what was going on inside the Pentagon was an attempt to constrain the narrative. I've said all along that the very decision of the UAP task force that did the report to the Congress that was published in June 25th, 2021, the, the very fact that, that that report only looked at incidents from the 2004 Nimitz incident through to 2021 was always an attempt to constrain the narrative. They don't want to talk about the very no. overwhelming evidence to show that there have been alleged, and I say alleged, alleged craft retrievals, uh, alleged interdictions between military aircraft and UAPs, where in some cases military aircraft have been lost. They don't want to talk about numerous sightings going right back to the 1940s, where there is an abundance of very credible military, intelligence, Defence Department witnesses who support claims that there is an anomalous phenomena. And this idea, this mythology that they've just suddenly discovered this phenomena, and now we require the resources to go on and investigate it, it's utter bullshit. It, it, and I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised the Congress accepts it. I'm not sure that Congress is going to continue to accept it, and certainly not everybody in Congress accepts it right now. But I, let me break that down into two parts. So part one is, yes, folks, if you're listening to uh, Need to Know as a podcast or watching it on uh, as a YouTube, remember, one of the reasons we talk a lot about the history is because the Defense Department has decided to go with the strategy where they don't. And so we're here to hold their feet to the fire a little bit and to say, look, there's more here than just what you're hearing out of the, the testimony or the reports. And we'll continue to do that. Uh, as for whether they got away with it, I, I, I'm not sure. As I was watching the, the House committee uh, hearings this morning, which were sort of hearings light, if you ask me. They were short, they were inconclusive, they were unsatisfying. Uh, I, I kept asking myself, well, 
what about some of these other people who are involved in this topic? Are they watching and what are they thinking? People like Senator Gillibrand from New York, people like Marco Rubio from Florida, uh, Mitt Romney, uh, you know, just and, and then a lot of, you know, House people like uh, Tim Burchett and things like that. A lot of people who are starting to become active in Congress must have been watching that. And if you think the Ross that you and I needed to tear our fists out of the ceiling, I think some of them uh, must feel the same way. So I don't think this is the end of hearings. Uh, it's the beginning. And uh, it's not even clear that this House Intelligence Subcommittee is going to get to have the, the, the final say about who gets to have the next round of hearings. They could come to the Senate next. I just want to draw on one example of how the hearing has been misreported by a major news organization to make the point that the media is not doing its job, which is another theme that we've echoed all the way through the Need to Know podcasts. So I wake up this morning, my time, Australia, after going to bed very late listening to the hearing, and the BBC reports Mr. Bray sought to dispel the notion that UAPs might be extraterrestrial aliens, noting that no organic or inorganic material or unexplainable wreckage has ever been recovered, and no attempts have been made at communicating with the objects. Now, the actual quotation from the hearing was Representative Krishnamurthy, and he asked, how about wreckage? Have we come across any wreckage of any kind of object that has now been examined by you? Now, I don't think it's unreasonable for any person, any reasonable person, to assume that what Representative Krishnamurthy was asking about when he asked, have we, he's asking about the US government, the US Defense Department, the US intelligence community. Now, the disingenuous, evasive, obfuscatory, and bullshit argument that came back from Ronald Moultrie was, quote, the UAP task force doesn't have any wreckage that isn't explainable, that isn't consistent with being of extraterrestrial origin. That didn't answer the question. It completely ignored the question posed by the representative. The representative allowed himself to be snowed. Now, the point that I'm making is that this was misreported by a major media organization. The only answer that was given by Ronald Moultrie was an answer that confined himself to what the UAP task force knows. That wasn't the question. Do you see my point, Bryce? Do you I, see I, how significant and important it is that these things get misreported? Oh, I, a, a misreport then leads other reporters in the pack to read that coverage and follow up on it. I just I have two thoughts here. Thought one, uh, Ross, I always have to compliment you, uh, a man that can put the word obfuscatory and bullshit into the same sentence is a man I'm very <laughs> proud to be in business with. Okay. So there's that. Uh, secondly, uh, you know, I think we should have been hearing, uh, look, I would have cast these hearings differently. I wouldn't have started uh, with people that uh, looked like they didn't know what they were talking about. And that looked like the bureaucrats sent down from the Pentagon. Uh, we, we should probably have heard from some people uh, who wanted to talk about things that they'd seen or observed. And instead of getting lousy uh, uh, images where the, the Pentagon spokespeople used them to say, see, this can all be explained. You know, we're hearing, Ross, you and me and other people are hearing about 23 minute HD videos of craft. OK, so uh, if I, they I, wanted I've, to blow I've our minds, they people, could have. I've spoken to yeah. people who've been in those hearings in the Congress 
they've told me that those videos would blow you away. It's the utterly disingenuous way with which they'd clearly subjected uh, selected a complete dog of a video, essentially the worst possible video of oh, all. It was to lead crazy. The viewer to, to lead the viewer to the apprehension that all of this is bullshit. And then what the other thing that they did was that they raised the triangles that have been uh, published by our friend and colleague, Jeremy Corbell. Now, I don't know the truth of Jeremy Corbell's, uh, uh, I think it was USS Kid uh, video, which right. have shown pyramidal triangles hovering over the ship. I'm waiting to see what Jeremy says. But the fact that they used a video that they've had for two years, and they haven't published an opinion about that video before now, and they save it up for a congressional hearing, where what the public are waiting to see is what is the evidence you have on UAPs? Wouldn't you bring out your most persuasive evidence to show the truth of the mystery, if that's rather than bringing in debunking videos. Of course, if that's what your goal was, if your goal was to show the truth about the mystery, uh, you, you would probably do that. And it's even possible, I thought, as I watched these men testify, uh, they seem personable people, uh, you know, but as I watched them testify, I thought, well, maybe their secret weapon is that they've never seen these videos themselves so that they have plausible deniability about those videos. I did think it was fascinating, by the way, that the chairman uh, name checked Jeremy Corbell in his opening remarks. So my my hat that I'm not wearing, I'm still tipping to Jeremy for for having that because that was crazy. But I, I wanted to read uh Jeremy's statement after the, the hearings, he wrote or said, these machines are somebody's. We don't know the intent. We don't know their origin and we don't know their capability, which of course is pretty fascinating. And, but my question is, or do we, I mean, we have this 75 years, we have all these other studies, we have this uh, uh, obvious amount of uh, data and, and video and, 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 and photos May, I, I'm not sure that we don't have all those answers. And and I, I'm sort of, not sort of, I'm tired of being lied to about it. I, I think it's time to, yeah. if we're going to pay lip service to transparency, screw it. I'm not interested in lip service. I'm interested in transparency. Let's get on with it. I, look, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, frankly, I the thing that worries me about the perception I've come away with from that hearing is the smug arrogance of those officials, particularly yeah. Mr. Bray. I didn't like the way that, you know, it's funny, I, I, I studied law as a boy, and one of the things that I was really proud of, I really admire, is the American constitutional system. You have a constitution that enshrines government of the people, by the people, for the people, that essentially the people are sovereign. Those are ideas that have been enshrined in American law straight after the French Revolution, they are absolutely fundamental to modern representative democracy. But what I saw there was a bureaucrat shoving away legitimate questions, evading, trying to avoid answering. I thought it was a disgrace. And frankly, as I'm hoping we'll hear from Lou Elizondo shortly, uh, I'm hoping that... Uh, he feels as well as as you and I do that this was a complete farce. 
Well, I, I, I'm betting when Lou shows up here, he'll say more than that because uh, he's actually, to the best of my knowledge, seen all these photos and these videos, and and he knows uh, what they didn't bring into the hearing today. You know, I know we have to, uh, we're, we're, we're going to go to a break and we're, we're going to bring Lou in here. I just want to talk about one thing that may seem a little ridiculous uh, as opposed to sublime, but... Okay, you and I have uh, made fun of the new uh, office that they've set up, which is the Airborne Object Management and Synchronization Group, which is A-O-I-M-S-G. And you and I have kidded about it. We've said, how do you pronounce that? Aomsga? That doesn't make any sense. Aomsga. And yeah. and so we we said, well, let's just call it UAP for unpronounceable acronym from the Pentagon, which I also thought was charming <laughs> in its own way. But I have to tell you, I went insane in the first four minutes of this hearing. Uh, Andre Carson, who was chairing this committee uh, hearing today, pronounced AOIMSG as AIMSOG four or five times. AIMSOG. What? Uh, first of all, you have to move the the O around in AOIMSG to even come up with AIMSOG. But are you kidding me? We are now instead of Blue Book or the UAP Task Force, we're going to call something AIMSOG for the rest of its days. I don't buy it. Well, I took heart from the fact that he flagged that they're probably going to change that name because it is a dog of a name. Oh. And uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because if it was AIMSOG, it would be Airborne Identification and Management Special Operations Group. And yes. Special Operations Group conveys some sense of competence and care and intention. It conveys the elite, the best of the best. All I saw so far from the Defence Department and the intelligence community was the Keystone Cops, obfuscatory, evasory, evasive bureaucrats who frankly didn't give a flying toot about and what they were being asked about. There were so many things we will talk about, many of them with Lou in a moment. I, I will say this uh, one thing that I had to smile about this week. You know, two weeks ago, we did an, uh, an episode called Congressional Hearings, and, in, and we were talking about whether hearings would happen or not. And you and I were on different sides of whether they would happen or not. But we put that we put that episode out. And within, I think, two or three days of it actually being out there, they called these hearings. These hearings happened lightning fast. I mean, they were in the news and now they're out of the news uh, that quickly. It's literally amazing to me how fast things can happen in today's media environment and, and, and what's going on. So I, I'm not going to go say anything other than folks i think there is way 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 more to come on this and we hope to be here to to cover it but in the meantime lou elizondo's take on the complete farce of the public congressional hearing into uaps Well, Lou, welcome to Need to Know. It's great to have you on the show as our first ever guest on Need to Know, and it's a very auspicious day. And I wish I could say it was a very positive day that we've got this uh, hearing happening before Congress. But frankly, I think it was a big pile of steaming bull dung. What's your take? <laughs> well, Ross, look, um, very much like the 180-day report, let me be, if I can, be as, as fair as possible. Um, when the 180-day report first came out last year, it kind of fell with a thud. Um, and people, I think, were underwhelmed initially 
with that report, not realizing there was a greater purpose. I think very much the same case here. Let's, if we can dissect this a little bit, uh, and forgive me for getting a little bit into the weeds, but, but it's important. I think a lot of people feel exactly the way you do. I've heard it from my colleagues in, in Congress. In fact, some of the reps are literally spitting on the floor and throwing chairs, right? They're, they're very frustrated. Um, individuals in the government, individuals that were associated with my former program are all kind of looking at this and saying, wow, that was underwhelming. But let's, let's, let's look at this for what it is. First of all, this is the first hearing in over 50 years, half a century, where senior members of our government testified before Congress. So there's no putting the genie back in the bottle now. Two, um, where before during Blue Book, Operation Blue Book, where you had this or the program Blue Book, you had senior members of the Air Force testifying. Now you have senior members of the Department of Defense testifying. So another level even higher than that, and the senior most intelligence officials in our national security apparatus testifying on ufos and what did they say they said it's real and they said it's a national security issue and we don't know what these are so that's what they did say now a lot of times it's what people don't say that matters even more i also want to let you know and your audience know that i think it's fair to presume here that there's going to be some more hearings this was just the first hearing i think it was very pro forma um, to me i wasn't surprised this was Congress painting a box around the Department of Defense and the intelligence community saying, okay, what is the baseline of truth? What do we know? What don't we know? And what are you doing about it, right? Knowing full well, Congress is very well informed. These guys are no fools. They've, they've received the briefings. They know exactly what's going on. They've been talking to their, their constituents, former military members, current military members. They asked very, very good, very precise questions. Now, the response to those questions were very underwhelming. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. There was a lot of uh, bureaucracy and, and, and politic, political considerations uh, that were discussed. And frankly, there were a lot of contradictions. Um, I, I wrote down everything. And what I did is I went ahead and um, looked at all the, the, the things that they said, the things that they didn't say, and the contradictions. And I think Look, I think the department is in a very precarious situation right now because they said a few things for the record that they can't take back. Um, you know, let's let's hit those wave tops for a second, Ross. Yeah. The Wilson documents, something that I'm not at liberty to discuss, were submitted for the first time as public record. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> want to be in that hot seat right now. I mean, I, I know what I know. Yeah. And you know, whew, I wouldn't want to touch that hot potato with a 10-foot pole, and yet here we are. It's part of now public record, holy smokes, too, right? Second no, thing. No, no, just look, no, no, look, just for a moment, just for our audience, I'm just going to quickly explain to our audience. The Wilson documents record an alleged conversation between Dr. Eric Davis and Admiral Tom Wilson, the then recently retired director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, where Tom Wilson describes attempts that he purportedly made to discover a secret program inside the U.S. Defense Department, which was hiding special access programs, code word programs, that were concealing an alleged craft retrieval back engineering program. Correct? That's what the document alleges. Uh, and, uh, you know, Congress now is, is looking at that. Um, now, that goes to a bigger point, Ross. Look, Congress asked them, what are you doing, right, to look at? And it was actually Congressman Gallagher. And by the way, I got to applaud his courage for doing this. 
asking specifically, what are you doing to collect past information that the U.S. government has collected, right? And the answer was nothing. So they acknowledged ATIP was real, and they acknowledged Blue Book was real, but there's 45 years in between yeah. where they have admitted we're not doing anything to go back into our records and collect any information on what we've already done. In essence, forget about the millions of dollars we spent of your taxpayer money. We're just going to reinvent the wheel here and pretend like we never did that. So that is also problematic. I think I think that is that is going to be something that the DAD is going to be held accountable to. Um, so that also happened. Then there was the topic of crash retrievals. Now, something I'm not at liberty to discuss, but what I can discuss is what was said today. They were very careful how the DOD responded. They said the task force, the task force has no recovered material. Okay. How long has a task force been around? Exactly one year and nine months. So you're right. The task force doesn't have it. Probably mm. something else someone else does. And furthermore, uh, when you look at what they said as far as the task force is concerned, um, you know, just a few months ago when they were asked how many people are permanently assigned to the task force, they said two. Now, now we have assessments being done, analysis being done. We have collection strategies being done and, co and collection requirements we have worked with our international partners. We have 400 cases we're working on. And oh, by the way, don't forget, we're working with our academic and scientific communities with two people. You see the problem with that? Yeah. Lou, it was kind of shocking to hear, uh, I think it was Gallagher who said he wanted to put the Wilson memo in without objection. And nobody objected because I was pretty sure nobody knew what it was. I mean, do you, do you think that he yeah. made that? Uh, do you think that he made that statement and and offered it into the record without anyone else knowing he was about to do it? You know, it was clever if he did, but you know, I'm not surprised because DOD didn't know a lot of things. You know, Malstrom, for example, right? Oh. What, the, the response to Malstrom was, "Well, we don't look at outside sources." Well, hold on a second. You're the source. You're the that source. Was DOD, that was a DOD IIR I, written. You guys wrote it. It got released through FOIA. You had your own commanders coming up and telling you about it. What do you mean you don't talk to outside sources? You're the source. So this, I, this, I, I can't believe they were saying this for the record. How does that happen? And Laura, how does it? How does history get ignored to such a degree that you bring two people in? They know that they're going to have to testify before Congress. They're under oath and they're not briefed and they're not up, up to date on the biggest cases. And if we're talking about national security, I think we've all agreed nuclear weapons are a national security uh, issue with UFOs. The crown so jewels. How, the crown how jewels. They, the tri how, nuclear triad. Absolutely. How could they not know? How How is it that, that this happened on the inside that such a faux pas could actually occur? Well, you know, that's the bigger question. Are we talking about, it's one of two things. It's only one of two things. Either A, they're lying, or it's B, gross negligence. Right. Choose your poison. I don't really care. But both are not a good situation to be in if you are in the national security apparatus. And by the way, Congress already knows. So this is the kind of the big frustration that you see like with Representative Tim Burchette. These guys aren't stupid. They've already, they already know the truth. And so when DOD comes out and they kind of do this soft sell, they don't realize Congress is painting a box around them because the next time and the time after that and the time after that, there's more hearings, which, by the way, I'm thinking will be, you're going to have more witnesses coming forward. 
And then they're going to contradict what was just said today, and someone's going to have to be held accountable, or hopefully they have another job by then. Now, Lou, one thing that I want to ask you, when I first interviewed you last year, we talked about the quality of the videos that you've seen that you can't talk about. Now, that video that they showed last night, Mm. I know for a fact, I've spoken to other people who've told me what they've seen in the Congress, in the private hearings. They've told me they've seen far higher resolution videos, better quality videos. Is is this bullshit? Did they put up a completely bunkum, bogus, useless video? It's happening every week. You know, they put something up from, from, from 2019, 2020, yeah. something that they knew was already out on social media and people looked at it and they could just go ahead and say, here's a video. No, no, show the real video. Show the videos that we know are there because I've seen them. Show the videos that you know are being reported almost on a weekly basis. Report those. If I had the opportunity right now, if you said, Lou, you have no more non-disclosure agreement to worry about, you can speak your mind, people would be blown away. And so... This is my this is my part of my kind of frustration. It actually makes me sad that the DOD is painting themselves into this corner because it makes them look incompetent. At the end of the day, the truth is coming out. Whether whether an undersecretary wants it or not, they you know look undersecretaries. No offense, but you guys come and go. Um, the citizenship doesn't. You know, citizens and concerned people don't. You know, this is what's important. So, you know, there's an old Bob Marley. Uh, adage that goes you can fool some people sometimes mm. but you can't fool all the people all the time and that's what's going on look ross you you know what i've been through the last four years when i came out you know it's, it's the typical cycle of of going through some sort of traumatic issue first you have you have disbelief and denial uh, then the reaction when i came out you know uh, we'll just ignore lou then it goes to well anger and we're going to go ahead and discredit the guy you know i mean th- thank god i've got a letter from harry reed stating the record who I am, because if it was up to the Department of Defense, not only was a tip not part, didn't do anything to do with UFOs, which, by the way, that got cleared up today, finally, um, you know, but I had nothing to do with it. So these are the missteps that, from a strategic communication perspective, continue to happen. And it's breaking my heart because I, I was part of DOD. And that's not the DOD I remember. The DOD I remember was very methodical, very precise. And and now what I see is this almost mass chaos where the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. You know, I, I made a few quotes here. Um, one of the things that was very interesting here, let me pull this up here. They want to identify known unknowns and avoid technical surprise. Another quote, another quote is, we're do- putting all hands on deck on this, which I guess you mean four hands, right? Because mm-hmm. you've got two people. So you're putting exactly four hands on this topic. Great, thanks. Um, the, it's, it's unbelievable, 400 reports, right? So we had 144 during the 180-day report. Now you have 400. Oh, by the way, 11 near misses. Now, I think that's a problem. I also think it's a problem that we're not going back in time and looking at all the information the U.S. government has in its possession on this. There are a lot of pockets of expertise. That Wilson memo, let me tell you something, that thing isn't going to die. That thing is now out for the public, and that is going to start a firestorm, one in which I can't comment on, but you know, DOD should have saw this coming, and, and they should have done their best to try to, to alleviate the concerns of Congress. 
Luke, can I ask you this? I, I like Tom Wilson. I've, I've exchanged communications with him. He's an honourable man. People speak very, very highly to me of Tom Wilson. My understanding is, though, and tell me if I'm wrong, if you are aware of a waived, unacknowledged special access program, something that's hidden, the darkest secrets of all in the US government, you're obliged to lie about them, aren't you? It gets even worse because oh let's say hypothetically, and I'm just saying hypothetically here, if that document is legit, the way in which that document found its way to where it did, the FBI would probably launch immediately a full-field counterintelligence investigation uh, because uh, that's not necessarily the orthodox way to capture those type of meeting minutes. And the fact that a conversation like that may have occurred, if it did occur in a car, again, I'm being very careful what I say here, You know, um, there's a lot of people that have reason to be concerned. Now, does this happen every day? Yes, absolutely. People, these senior people that are going to sit there and try to turn the screws, they're guilty of it. They do it all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the backseat of a limousine or a car and uh, people are just having classified conversations, senior leadership. So it's a little bit disingenuous, but there's real reason to be concerned here. And and I understand why if, if there's legitimacy to that, and again, I'm being very careful here, if there's legitimacy to it, why a lot of people would be very concerned right now because it, it could it could predicate a, a very uh, intense criminal investigation. Lou, I, I, I think that's uh, fascinating as a story, no matter how you look at it. But one of the things that I keep thinking when I'm, I'm hearing you talk is the people at the Pentagon, as you just said, uh, ought to have their act together about this. They've seen this train coming for a while. They've been told, uh, you know, the report comes out. Uh, they get told they're going to be here for hearings. So the Pentagon strategically decided these are the two guys that should come out there. They should know X, Y, and Z, but not A, B, and C, or whatever whatever strategy. Why would they pursue a strategy that puts people out there who appear to know nothing about the history of the, the situation? Why would because, they do that? Because one degree of separation is a good thing. You have plausible deniability, right? right? So you have someone testifying under oath who can't lie. Hey, if they don't know, they don't know. So they're not lying. When they say, look, we don't know, they're being truthful. But Luke, give me this reassurance, because one of the things I watched this morning was a Fox News interview with um, Representative Krishnamurthy and also uh, Representative Gallagher. And I think they acknowledged in that interview that they'd been snowed, that the committee was basically being treated evasively and and there was obfuscation by the two witnesses. They know it, don't they? But do do you think there is the political will? Is there the political will in the Congress to, to make public demands and to push politically for the defense department and the intelligence community to open up. Yeah, I think I think I think they 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 if I could say the vernacular, I think they pissed off Congress. That's never a good idea. You know, Congress has got a lot of power and normally they're busy fighting with each other, but you know, this is a bipartisan issue and and this isn't going to go away. It, um there's there's a lot at stake here and and there's a, a lot of people now in congress that know exactly what's going on well lou i have to you know on the on the political part of it uh, i kept thinking to myself uh gillibrand and rubio and the the gang in the senate had to be watching these games being played oh, this yeah. morning and having their own uh, opinion but when you said and and people do like to say that it's bipartisan i mean certainly you got rubio gillibrand that's bipartisan the guys in the committee even complimented themselves on being bipartisan but i don't know that it necessarily sounds 100% bipartisan. The Republican 
uh, who led off, seemed to be saying, you know, may, I don't believe in this UFO crap that much, but uh, China and Russia, I'm very interested in that. They sure. even had one guy, I think it was LaHood, who made it sound like he was going to pick up Coldheart and Zabel had waterboard us if we if we tried to report anything more on this. And and the Democrats didn't quite seem that way. So I'm wondering, are we seeing the beginning of a political difference between the parties on this? Because we live in such a polarized country. Is ufology and the UAP issue, is it about to be politicized? Really thoughtful question. Um, you know what? I don't think so. Um, okay. I think uh, I think they're all doing their due diligence. Um, they're trying to approach this from a very matter-of-fact perspective, which is something I've always been a proponent of. Um, just the facts, ma'am, nuts and bolts. Um, I do think that, you know, there are individuals that have certain – I think that individual that spoke said he was a former pilot for the military. Right. So it's it's no wonder they're taking this from, from that perspective. Um, I don't think it's a political thing. I don't think it's a partisan thing. Uh, I think there are just as many people on the conservative and the liberal sides – that agree uh, both from the the profound uh, existential aspect of this potential existential aspect, uh, all the way to uh, the nuts and bolts national security is this a threat? Um, I, I, you know, so far I haven't seen now where the politics do come in play is when they have to hold feet to the fire to the Department of Defense. Uh, nobody wants to to look silly or stupid, and that's why. You heard Carson say in the beginning, he says, you know, these witnesses were formerly treated as kooks and we need them treated as witnesses. Carson is absolutely right. That is that is exactly the way we need to treat this. Uh, and, and that's starting to happen. Now, I, I think, frankly, Moultrie and Bray were a little bit, um, how shall I say, um, uh, eager to to say things that they plan to do that I'm not sure are really going to come to fruition. Uh, they said a lot of nice things, but so far it hasn't happened. Look, they just they 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 just now announced. I think the director today. Uh, who, who did so, they announce, and who is he, and what do we know about him? Well, I I, I don't want to speak for the government. My understanding it's it's Shankar Patrick. Okay. Uh, but um, you know I, that's not formal. That's not for me. That's not official. Let me just caveat that. And is uh, is is he a good hand? Is he a good hand, Lou? Boy, Ross, you'd have to ask me that, huh? <laughs> I, I believe let's give everybody a fair shake. How about that? Right? Let's let's see what they can do. Um, you know, this is part of my frustration. You know, this is why uh, I I do what I do because I um I think the people deserve the truth. Um, this is it, is it, was absolutely. Is it at least good that they finally appointed somebody? Is that is that progress or would yeah. it have been? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now the problem is they're considering this air, trash, space, junk, and, and debris, quadcopters right. and drones. When we're really talking about breakaway technology, this isn't. We're not talking about. Look, I hate to say this, folks, but at at thirty thousand feet, doing two thousand miles an hour, that's not a cop. That's not a quadcopter. Okay. Never has been and never will be. No. So if, if it helps you have the conversation by having these little anecdotes that uh, we have drones and things, fine. You know what? If it helps the conversation in the short term. But as these hearings progress, more and more details are going to come out, more and more fidelity, where it will become very clear we're not talking about drones and quadcopters. Well, that, which is a, a good point. Um, the one thing that was said over and over in these hearings uh, this morning, I can't say it was a 
it didn't, it was like 90 minutes and it wasn't even barely that. It, it was, uh, as uh, I think uh, Gallagher said, he thought it was surprising and unsatisfying, right? But the thing that occurred to me is I heard them say over and over, well, we should take that up in the classified meeting, okay? Yeah. That was said something like seven or eight times. Um, my question, I guess, is what do you think, knowing what you know, uh, to the extent that you can tell us what was discussed in those classified uh, that classified hearing today, given the things that you heard them say, we're going to take that offline for now. We're not going to answer in a public hearing. We'll answer that later classified. What were they talking about? Great question, because it's a lead into the most probably the most important aspect of this entire conversation, in my opinion. Um, I think they were going to talk about sources and methods. I think they were going to talk about our relationship with other countries. They said some pretty bold statements there. Uh, you know, they said things like, well, you know, we're working with some of our closest allies and we're doing this. No, you know, you're not. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> because I know who is and, and it's not those folks. Um, you know, there are there are countries that still don't want to have this conversation publicly. And there's countries that are willing to have this conversation publicly. I think some of that conversation probably occurred and then probably some things they don't want to discuss. You know, they were very careful to say there's people that are agitating this conversation, but they didn't want to say who or where they were. Um, I suspect in that in that conversation, they may have said, look, we've got this monkey on our back. You know, call the dogs off of us because they're making our lives miserable. Um, I suspect that may have been part of it. I also think when they were talking about specific uh, foreign countries that may be assisting with us, assisting our efforts, look, Working with our foreign allies is now law of the land. Okay, We are breaking the law. If we don't reach out to the five guys, Australia, Canada, UK, New Zealand, and, and our, our closest allies, we're wrong. We're wrong. We have to do it. And so when they say things that are open, well, we're talking to some of our allies. Well, what does that mean? I mean, are you picking up the phone and saying, hey, George, how are you doing? Or are you sharing information, intelligence, classified intelligence information, and are they sharing it with you? through the normal foreign disclosure mechanisms and, and non-disclosure policy, NDP-1, uh, which is part of uh, how we, we work with our foreign allies. I mean, there are there are very specific guidelines that dictate that relationship. Right now, I don't see them being done because I get people calling me from these other countries that are in certain positions saying no one from the U.S. has reached out to us. Hmm. Uh, Canada just came out very interestingly and said uh, it was um, – it was uh, one of their representative, congressional representatives, who uh, I have to uh, give credit to. I want to make sure I—I uh, I wish you know how to spell it. Anyway, uh, Representative McGuire up in Canada uh, is now finally coming out and really picking up the torch on this. Look, they've had incidents over northern Manitoba. Uh, we know that um, they're concerned. They want to know what's going on. And by the way, what can they do with the United States to tackle this problem? So there are countries reaching out. Um, typically and historically, Australia and the UK have been uh, very loathsome to publicly acknowledge any interest. I get it. I understand it. But at least in a classified setting, they, I think they should be more forthcoming and, and hopefully more enjoined to, to work with the United States. Lou, uh, I know you can't talk about any evidence that's been given in closed hearings, but have you given evidence in closed hearings before the Congress? Are you able to tell us that? And more importantly, is there any prospect at all that you would be deposed under oath in an open public hearing? Hmm. Um, I'll second that question. Well, yeah. 
The first question is I've always maintained um, whatever relationship I have in Washington, it's really up for that party to divulge. Um, just like uh, I've been speaking to Mr. McGuire. Um, I never acknowledged it until he came out and acknowledged it. That's not my place to say. Um, if, if people want to know what my dealings are with the U.S. government and Congress, they can ask the U.S. government and Congress. Uh, and I will, I'm going to just uh, restrain myself from, from having that, that conversation. Now, as far as uh, going up to Congress, uh, if there are more hearings, which I suspect there will be, you better believe it. Uh, I, I will absolutely go and testify along with several of my colleagues. And, and Lou, I, I keep thinking, because we've seen that you've had, uh, you know, people uh, personally attacking you uh, in, in, on Twitter and things like that. And, oh, yeah. and there's been and we, the, the documentary, so-called documentary that came out from uh, Mr. Greenstreet over the weekend. And, and, and I look at those and I think, I bet Lou would, would love to be testifying under oath, because wouldn't that allow you and force you to sort of prove yeah. your case once and for all? Well, but look, I look. If, if you're into tabloids, then read tabloids. You know, I, Twitter's full of it. Everybody knows it. There's a bunch of haters. They're called trolls for a reason. I don't really care. Um, you know, my my focus is on the 99% of fair-minded, rational people out there that aren't, you know, conspiracy-minded individuals. Um, you know, I, I'm not doing this for me. Um, everything I've ever said has always come to fruition and is always checked out without without exception. Um, like I said, I, I, I had this document in my hand for a reason. I guess they're calling the good senator a liar too. And, you know, I've got lots and lots of documentation and email that will do more than, than, than satisfy uh, who I am and what I've done. Um, brother, haters are going to hate. And, and that's because <laughs> they have agendas and because for whatever reason, they've made uh, a little cottage industry since they were 15 years old on this stuff. And this is all they know. And by the way, if real disclosure happens, they don't have a job because this is all they've been doing. This whole their whole job has been disclosure. Well, now that disclosure is really upon us, and we have public hearings. It's no, no, no. It's all lies, obfuscation, because otherwise they're going to have to get a job at Starbucks and, and, and you know get a real job. So I, I, that's the unfortunate side of this, and I really don't have time to get into the weeds with these people who cherry pick information because no, at the end of the day. They're not journalists. Nor should you. But uh, I just wanted to share something with you because I think the personal people have feel like they know you now. I, I do. This is the first time we've met uh, on, on air or anything, except I've spent more time talking about you in a public forum than the president. So, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so so here's the thing that that makes me wonder. Um, I got a friend today who texted me and he said this was the question he posed me. He said, do you believe in. Lou Elizondo. He didn't say, do you believe Lou Elizondo, which would mean, do you believe what he's saying is true? He said, do you believe in Lou Elizondo as if you're Santa Claus or the Easter right. bunny or something? You've been mythologized by this process. And, right. and what do you think about? Well, this your, is why I'm on, getting on out of social media, basis? because yeah. the problem is that the, the messenger has been confused with the message. Something that I've always worried about. I knew from day one, stepping out on that stage at some point, I may have to back off and continue working behind the shadows because the, I become a cult of personality. And that's not what I want. I'm not one of those guys that just wants to sell you, you know, a subscription to, to, to one of my videos or I need, hey, like this. And I've never done that ever. Uh, I don't self-promote. I, I live in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming. Um, and the problem is that this 
topic is too important. Too many people have squandered the opportunity to start with good intentions. They become cults of personality. And now all of a sudden they're starting to make money off it. It becomes a cottage industry. And it's don't listen to anybody else. I have all the answers. And I could, I'm not going to do it here, but there's a long laundry list of these hucksters and fraudsters out there. Uh, and and, and I, I will not be part of it. I'm not going to lower myself to that. That is the bottom of the barrel. Nobody cares in real life. Only people that are trolls and that into that 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 type of, of thing. I would but. then have to argue getting out of it is the last thing that you should possibly do. If 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 in fact those are your feelings and uh, and you you want to bring order to the to the the town streets, then you can't really back out. You've you've sort of made your case and you have to stay and continue to to to, to make it. I think the, the the problem with that is like being on a playground with a bunch of four year olds that that hurl insults at you in mud. Right. What are you going to do? You're going to beat up a four year old? No, you know it's 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 a waste of time and energy. And frankly, they don't know better. So what I do is I focus my efforts on things like we have now with hearings and mainstream media outlets where we can carry the message across millions instead of you know a couple dozen that are are, are stuck in their own narrative. One of the things that uh, Representative Lahoud gave the witnesses a free kick to was the UAP research community. And and basically the response that he got from Scott Bray was that these were spurious chases and hunts by the UFO community, by the UAP community. Mm. Can I ask you this? Do you think they are spurious chases and hunts? Do you think this is all just no. spurious chases and no, hunts? No, absolutely not. No, there's some very legitimate information out there. I think that's a minimization. I mean, Look, FBI has a hotline for a reason for, for to report crime. And we have, you know, crime busters and we offer rewards because we need help from the public. It's absolutely absurd and ridiculous to say that people in the UFOs are, are you know, providing wacky information. That's not indicative of the entire UFO community. That there, There's a couple of folks that are truly unhinged and need probably some psychological help. But there's a lot of folks out there that mean well and have a lot of expertise, whether as an investigator or with media and cameras. And I think it's irresponsible for us to simply say, yeah, we don't need a public self. I mean, look, you go to an airport or, or a metro right now, and what does the government say? We need your help. See something, say something, report it, right? And yet with right. this topic, it's, uh, well, you know what? Don't call us, we'll call you. So that's that's that shows the, again, the schizophrenic nature in which we are dealing with this. I would love to catch up and do this again with you folks. Thank Let you. me know. I owe you more time, so I'm good for that. Let you owe us nothing, but we appreciate what you've given us. Thank you very much. You got it. Take care, gentlemen. Thank you for what you're doing. It's really, it's, it's making a difference. Thank you so much. Well, uh, Ross, uh, what an I guess it's a, a double thing. It's an honor, and it was enlightening to hear from Lou Elizondo talking about these hearings on the day they happened. I mean, I had a lot of opinions. He brought a lot to the table, and uh, that was really fascinating stuff. I take heart from the fact, Bryce, that he's indicating that this isn't the end. It's not even the beginning of the end, but it's the end of the beginning. Very Churchillian. He's ready for a fight, and I'm looking forward to those future congressional hearings. Oh, there will be hearings to come, believe me. And I think we'll be here doing more of the same. Thank you for showing up. And uh, we hope you learned as much as we 
did today. We learned some good things and some bad things, and we'll be talking more about them in episodes to come. But for now, thanks for watching and listening to Need to Know. And, and remember, we can handle the truth. You people get ready. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com